0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Craig Rochelle shares how he witnessed the transforming power of Jesus in his dad.
1: You know, to see a man that was broken and dysfunctional become whole in Christ and be transformed only by the power of God inspires me to say, no matter what addiction. No matter what hardship, no matter what hurt, no matter what brokenness, Jesus is bigger. He he can heal, he can transform lives.
2: Basically, filling the studio. Energizes it it supplies, really does. It. Yeah, it oh, makes yes. me feel as young as you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm James Robinson. Betty and I just welcome you to life today. The studio is filled with a lot of young people who are greatly uh, appreciate Pastor Craig Groeschel. Uh, Life Church, uh, they have campuses all over. I guess uh, outside of Oklahoma and Texas, are you in? Yeah, we have, uh, we're or? in
1: seven different states. Yes.
2: Ah. All right, seven okay. different states. This is Craig Rochelle that answered the question here. <laughs> I'm interrogating. <laughs> Will you all welcome Craig Rochelle? <laughs> right. We, you know, we, we brought him back. I mean, he didn't answer all the questions, so we brought him back. Because all these young people have a lot of questions. This book, he tries to answer a lot of them. And he explained to us that this is not just a pound sign. You all got that right there? <laughs> it's not just a pound sign, that means hashtag. What does hashtag mean? <laughs>
1: I have no idea what a <laughs> hashtag means.
2: <laughs> I don't know if anybody yeah. out here knows. Do yeah. any, any of you know what a hashtag means? Is it just something that came out with social media? I think so,
1: yeah. So like if you post something and you put hashtag compassion, because we're talking about helping people in need, right. then you'll, you'll go and see everyone else who posted something with that same hashtag compassion. So there probably would be you know, tens of thousands of people who did something like that. and so if we went to, to one of the places where you're helping people who are in need and we put in hashtag life today, there'd be thousands of other people who put that hashtag in. So you kind of you can see what other people are posting based on a similar theme is really where it comes from. And hashtag struggles, that's a real common um, hashtag. People say, you know, my shoes, you know, I can't find my shoe. Hashtag struggles, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, so I've kind of borrowed off a common hashtag to talk about how People are, technology is so wonderful and has so many amazing benefits, but yet we're finding a lot of unintended negative consequences to social media and technology. So that's what we're talking about in the book. How do we still follow Jesus in a selfie-centered world? Because with all the benefits of social media, it's actually changing the way we relate to other people in some ways for good for other ways not so good and so how do we how do we manage that tension and still be faithful to following Christ and you they by the way they started you version of the bible I many of even know about you version of the bible and they
2: launched it over 190 million people back if you want to know, they want to know about the church. They want to go maybe and listen to messages. Uh, can they go some by topic to see some of the things? Are they sure, Are you, they archived there?
1: Yeah, all the messages are free. You can go to the website, lifechurch.tv. You can go to the app store and type in Life Church on your mobile device and download the app. And then, of course, the YouVersion Bible app has, you know, has 1100 different versions of the Bible, 800 different languages. So you if you speak a language, we've got a Bible for you. And that's available for free as well. And so... That's that's leveraging technology, which we want to do to get the gospel out. At the same time, we don't want to become a slave to it, and we don't want to be mastered by it. And I've got my trusty phone with you right here because many people today we're finding are absolutely a slave to this, and we want to talk about how do we manage that well.
2: Well, you know, we we took your version of the Bible, for the first time when you put the Catholic Bible in, Mm -hmm. and you had me take uh, an iPad to Pope Francis. And I I wish I'd have picked up, I've (laughs) just not sharp enough as an older guy with an iPhone or I could have had my pictures because Pope Francis was like a little kid at Christmas opening it up and when he saw the iPad and then he found out he had the Catholic Bible there and you say, well, why'd you go to see the Pope? I want to find out for sure if he's a Christian. Is that okay? <laughs> I, mean, I, I want to build rapport with everybody and I want to be able to talk to people and love people and we had a, a, you know, tremendous time together. But what you have done is you're trying to reach out with the Word of God to everyone and you're saying to them, you know, no strings attached, we love you. Right. And I really think that's what you're saying right here. In a hashtag world with hashtag struggles and people following Jesus in self a selfie-centered world, right. selfie-centered world, which is what people are taking. You, you have really, in my opinion, really gotten through. And I'm praying that everybody will get this, not only for your young people, but for yourself, and learn the things that Craig is sharing. I got the, by the way, this is the first week it's in the bookstores. And, uh, and I got the, an advanced paperback copy they sent me so I could go through it before it actually got finished. You know, I had to edit it for you. You know. You're, not,
1: <laughs> you're putting know all the typos, <laughs> no, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but
2: here, you, you said, I, I would like to touch on this. Uh, authenticity, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, one of the things that we were talking about before, like if I took a selfie picture of us, and I'm gonna post it for my followers to see. You can put on it what's called a filter, and you can kind of edit it, doctor it, and really make it look a little better than it does. We could make, make all of us look pretty good <laughs> hey, if hey, we could have the we filter. make me look
2: like you we here? We could do that, yeah. we, can, huh? we, we yeah. can absolutely do I'd roll up it. You, my <laughs> sleeves and i <all> <laughs> you, you want it? We yeah, we wouldn't wanna see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we would do some doctoring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we kind of laugh about it, but that's absolutely what's normal today. Mm-hmm is to try to show everybody the me that we want them to see. And people are, are literally, they're creating social media moments. In other words, like, I feel pressure to post something, therefore I need to do something exciting, <laughs> therefore I need to get the right angle, I need to have the right caption, I need to have the right hashtag, I need to put the right filter on it. And, and literally, the more filtered our lives become, the less authentic we are. And what's happening is there's a generation of people coming up Number one, they're afraid of unfiltered communication, meaning they text rather than talk. And so, when you're in text, you're you're always in control. A big portion of this audience today, if I called you, and you would let it go through to voicemail, you'd listen to the voicemail and then you respond with a text. Okay? Some of these people go to my church. I hope they'd pick up actually if I called them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the reality is, this is the norm today, is that I don't want to talk because I'm not in control. And so you've got people that were being trained to, to present kind of a fake self. And so we've really got a generation that doesn't really know who they are. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, basically people post a picture and they want likes. How many likes did I get? And so we talk about people are living for likes but they're longing for love and they're, they're really longing to be loved as they are. And there's a phrase now, psychologists, they call it deferred loneliness. In other words, I feel a little empty right now, so I want I want some attention. So I'll post a picture and then hopefully people will give me some feedback, they'll give me a comment, ooh, I like your shoes, oh, girl, you look so pretty, you know, whatever they're going to say, you know. And so what it does is it... it, it it gives me a false sense of meeting that need, but I'm deferring loneliness to later on. And and so I'm still empty. I've got lots of online activity, and yet I'm still empty on the inside. And so we really talk in a whole chapter about you know comparing there have been veils or filters for years and years. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he put on a veil not to protect people from being touched by the glory, which is what I thought for years, but yeah. what really to keep them from seeing the glory was fading away. And so you know, in, in a very real sense, that was an older version of putting the filter on. And so we really try to get honest and say, w- where are the filters or where are the veils that, that we're, we're wearing and, and not showing people where who we really are. And so, yes, we're gonna connect on FaceTime. Yes, I'm gonna follow you on social media because I can stay in touch, but I'm not gonna settle just for screen to screen when God wants us face to face as well. Loving is not liking a post. Loving is caring for a person. And so we really want to help people engage in in that true, intimate community that God wants us to have.
2: Is there something wrong with Betty and me that we really, we appreciate texts from grandchildren or children or friends, but we really like to hear from them. Mm-hmm. We really want to talk to them. Now, is there something wrong with us? Have we not quite made it <laughs> yeah, over? Yeah,
1: absolutely, there's something wrong with you. No, you yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Think, I think what's going to happen is, I think, you know, texting is the language of the day, you know, you know but after a while, we're all going to recognize we're missing something. There's something about tone of voice. There's something about vulnerability. And so, yes, I text all day long. My, my 20-year-old daughter moved to another city. I wanna hear her voice and I wanna ask questions. And so um, you can take conversation to a a more intimate place that way than you can otherwise.
3: And if you don't have that that voice connection, that conversation connection, it tends to hide any sensitivity you could have to that person. You don't know necessarily if they're, as they're texting, they're weeping from a broken Absolutely. heart. Or they're,
1: they're they're struggling with something. Some people almost joke that in a marriage, you know, you, you just, you text, you're dating, you text, you're dating, then you get married, like, we got a fight, we need to go in the other room and text this out, you know, instead. So, <laughs> because, and it's kind of a joke, but the reality but that is happens. that, that and, and like I'm, I met with a group of 25 and under staff members, and I, I wanted to spend the day with them, asking them questions, and and so we talked about, you know, do you, any of you fear talking on the phone? And a, a lot of them are like well, I really do. And so so explain this to me. And one girl said, well, for instance, if I'm going to call to order a pizza, I'm going to I get nervous, and I, so I script that out, and because it's you know I'm so nervous. And I was trying not to look like, oh. you know, and so I asked the group, I said, so how many of you would be nervous calling for pizza? And this was just, you know, 25 or so young, young adults, and about 75% of them said I would, nice. that would be out of my comfort zone because they just haven't done it. Mm. And, and that's, you know, that's, Amazing. that's, so there's so many different ways that social media, they're helping us relate and stay connected, we, we know that, but there's so many unintended consequences that are really important. In fact, one of them I think is important to what you're doing is there was a study, University of Michigan did over a 30-year period of college students, and they found that over a 30-year period that people actually care about others 40% less. And you can Google this study online. It's fascinating how they came to it. Basically, you know, um, I care what other people think. I care about their feelings. And anyway, there's a 40% decline. And the same period is the rise in social media. And what the theory is behind it is that there's really three aspects why we care less. One is because we're consumed with ourself. About 80% of social media involvement relates to me. How do I feel? What is the dopamine release in my brain when you like my post? And so it's, it's really turning us toward ourself. Secondly, everything on our feed is in the same line, in other words, there's grandma's guacamole for recipe, you know, her recipe for guacamole. There's a funny cat video. There's someone who got beheaded in another part of the world. And there's someone deflated a football, you know. It, it, so it's all equal, <laughs> and, and we don't know. We, we, our brains can't discern which one's more important. And, and so we're desensitized to knowing what's really important. And then the third issue is, that it's easier not to care when looking at a screen than it is when looking at a person. For example, when you show the video of a child who's hurting and you see the mom crying, you know, that impacts me. If I'm there, mm-hmm. okay, I'm never the same, yeah. ever the same, ever the same, because I can smell the smells, I can, I can hold the baby, and that just totally wrecks me. And so you know, we have to understand that, you know, just liking a post is not showing love. And and we're we're in a world where people are becoming more obsessed with ourselves. Jesus did not call us to love ourselves, but to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. And in a world that's becoming selfie obsessed God calls us to something greater. And that's why I just have to say again, on behalf of our family, we thank you because we supported your ministry long before we knew you personally, because we believed in what you were doing. Then seven or eight years ago, we got to know you personally and support you all the more because we know you up close and see the integrity of it. But you know, that's why I love what you're doing so much is because you're caring, you're helping us show compassion, and, and you're showing us places that we could never go. When we do go there, and, and, and we can go there with our giving, it's an honor to be able to partner with you.
2: Well, the picture does say more than a thousand words, and especially if you can tell that it's it's a very real situation. But the beauty is when you can do something about it that's positive. Right. Because nobody likes to look at hopelessness. Right. You and I both had uh, a situation where I, my father wasn't in my life because of alcohol. And when he came into my life drunk, he tried to kill my mother, said he was going to kill me. I nearly killed him. And so it was a miracle that that... That killing didn't happen, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really because of prayer. Then I came to know the Lord, uh, but my, as far as I know, my father didn't, even though I witnessed to him until he died. Your father was an alcoholic. Tell right.
1: me what happened. Well, I wrote about that in the book, and, and part of the reason I did is because so many people are addicted to technology, to social media, and what I wanted to do is really illustrate that no, no matter what's happened in the past, Jesus can set you free in the future. And my dad was was an alcoholic for years and years, all through my childhood. Um, growing up, and he actually came to Christ later in life. He was a baseball player, and so he says, He says of his salvation moment, he said, I was safe under the tag. In other words, <laughs> I barely made a, you know, I <laughs> got under the tag. And uh, um, it, it was radically transformed, and um, by the grace of God, now he actually serves on two nonprofit boards that help people overcome um, addictions. He leads a um, he has about 110 to 120 people that meet um, uh, once a week that are, that are now sober, and he's helping them learn to um, rebuild their lives. And, you know, to see a man that um, was broken uh, and dysfunctional become whole in Christ and be transformed only by the power of God inspires me to say no matter what addiction, no matter what hardship, no matter what hurt, no matter what brokenness, Jesus is bigger, he, he can heal, he can transform lives, and so I'm proud of my dad today, of who he's become because of Jesus, and I know that no matter what somebody's facing today, they can be transformed by the same grace that saved me, by the same grace that saved him, by the same grace that saved all of us. And that's what the world is. Don't you appreciate the way Craig presents his, the message and testimony
2: and, and the book, uh, hashtag struggles, that we have? and. Uh, Really and truly, it's just loaded with wisdom. I want you to have have this because I just think I just think this is good stuff, especially in a social media age. But but give it to someone. Let I me mean, just say, Lord, I want it, but who can I share it with? And I really hope you will. And uh, again, if they want to go to U version, they can go to the App Store. Just put Bible in. They can go to the App Store. It. Type in Bible and the U version Bible app is right there for you. And it's, and it's totally it. free. It, totally wonderful. Totally wonderful. If they want to know about the church, website?
1: Yeah, the website's lifechurch.tv, or you can also go to uh, where you download apps and type in Life Church, and we have an app there available, and and all the messages are on there for people as well.
2: And he's not trying to sell you something. He's trying to help you. That's what he's doing. Craig, you you talked about, uh, you know, the fact that you appreciate what we're doing. And I don't think you'd say that just because you see sad things that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. I think you said that because you believe people get help.
1: No, absolutely. And they really do. Absolutely. It's
2: a miracle. And I'm telling you, you take impossible situations and you put the compassion connection in place. And it's a miracle. Many of you with compassion prayed for me and Betty when our daughter, our baby girl, fought a seven-year battle with cancer. We still lose it. You don't get over it. Uh, You live with it and through it and you learn and you want to heal other broken hearts. She had three children, wonderful husband, Ken, three beautiful children. One of them graduated from Baylor. They're all gifted and beautiful. They're all active in love with Jesus. The oldest one graduated from Baylor. Betty and I were there with the other family. And then he went straight to the mission field. I want you to see our youngest daughter who is in heaven looking down at the sun you're going to see on the mission field. And I'd like you to listen. And not only be blessed, but then become a blessing. Watch.
4: Been here in Angola for about the last week. This is my first time overseas. It's my first time leaving the country. And uh, to say there's been some eye-opening experiences and some levels and degrees of shock would be an understatement. The malnutrition clinics, those have been um, by far some of the toughest things I've seen. Uh, The first day in the clinic I held a kid that Mr. Peters said might have less than a 10% chance of living and looking at the mother of the child and just knowing what it feels like to be in that position of helplessness is the hardest part because from personal experiences, I know what it feels like in those situations. I I don't have kids, but I've sat there my own life experiences. I've sat next to my mother when she was going through chemo and I've been in those hospitals and I know what it's like to sit in that situation and you feel helpless, you feel like you can't do anything. There's nothing that you can do right then and there. and You want to fix it. So to be able to see the productive feedings that LOI has helped provide to these villages so we keep them out of the clinics is good to see. And just because you're not here handing a bowl to a kid doesn't mean that you're not actually feeding them because these kids can't survive without you. We can't be here without you to help them. And when you see the kids smile when they get food and you see them happy and you see them so grateful, they're grateful for you.
2: There's no way to explain the joy that is flowing in our hearts right now. Uh, As we see the children, with their lives saved because of the love of God through people like you. But also, that's our our grandson that graduated from Baylor just a few weeks before he went there to the mission field in Angola, Africa. That is the first son of our daughter that went to be with Jesus just over two years ago. That's Robin's son. And uh, the little kid that used to greet us when we'd go up to see Robin and her husband and our three grandchildren, her children, they would meet us with a sack full of money running out to the car and say, we've been saving all the money we could to help the kids over in Africa. And there he is. And he's just such a, a beautiful picture of the love of God. And when he says he understands suffering, as he looked at the mothers and the children, he certainly does. And watching him hold that baby, I just talked to him about two days ago for quite a while. He said, Papa, I never will be the same. My whole life's really been changed, and I said, I know Chris. Ours was too, when we saw very legitimate needs that could be met so beautifully and effectively with love. Well, Chris is there, and that's the that's those those malnutrition clinics are miracles of love. It's just like now we need we need eight more, ten-ton trucks to keep delivering food. A lot of them have worn out, and we've bought scores of them over the years. You have, well, we need eight. That's very expensive, over three hundred thousand dollars. Uh, we need a tremendous number of the little bowls that we give to the children so that they don't have to bring the, the tin cans or plastic bags. And you're the ones that thought up the bowls. And uh, you saw Chris uh, feeding there with these bowls that you put the food in. And, and we really need to replace a tremendous number of them and get the trucks. But when we hear our grandson and we know that journey that brought him to that place where he could speak with such brokenness and sincerity, I can't help but believe there's... Not a person watching, Betty, that wouldn't say I wanna I wanna help get those trucks. I wanna help feed ten children or five or three. What's going on in your heart when you watch?
3: Well, first of all, and with great joy I watch our grandson. I'm not a bit surprised to see him over there because like James said, since he was very small, he had drawing to the children that needed food, that needed help, and he wanted to help. It's all our grandchildren do. They love to give to others that are in need. But, you know, I look at that and I think there's an opportunity for us to help these precious little ones. And it takes some of the things that don't seem so... That we can't be necessarily drawn to so much and but but it's so important that's the transportation we have to have the transportation to get the food to them so that you can see the smiles on their faces when they get that nourishment in their bodies so I hope you will join us let's please be a part of let's getting the transportation so we can continue to save the lives of these children
2: Thank you Betty that uh, I really believe Betty expressed the heart of the Lord and so did Chris. And I think you want to, I want you to be mindful that for $30, 50 or a hundred, we can feed three, five or 10 children for months. And you're the only ones who provide that. I find myself in my heart longing that if you could possibly help us care for 10, you will. And so they don't end up where those children were, basically maybe the last days or hours, if they don't have a miracle. But let's get them before they get there And we've got 400,000 of them we've located, and we need the food. And you're the only ones that can provide it. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org? Would you get up and move to make that uh, mobile device or whatever you can get to go online? Or you can dial the phone number and just take your bank card and use it like a check. Please do that. How often do you use it for something that really is not that necessary, but this is life-giving? Would you make that gift now? Father, I pray everyone who can will, In Jesus' name, we have some beautiful gifts to send you just to say thank you for helping us care for those children and give them life and to provide the miracle of those trucks and the thousands of bowls that we need to replace. Please go, lifetoday.org or dial that number
0: disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa. And those at greatest risk are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, able to feed and care for over 400,000 children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With previous food reserves gone and malnutrition levels in Angola rising due to increased food scarcity, we desperately need to replenish our supplies for our feeding programs immediately. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for 3, 5, or 10 children for the next 3 months. Also, please consider an additional gift toward our $316,000 goal to provide 8 all-wheel drive trucks and 76,000 new bowls for the children. As our thank you, we'll send you this soft cover journal Bible featuring the gospels, psalms, and proverbs for your devotional time in the Word. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed 10 children, please request the complete Holy Bible Journal Edition, perfect for keeping notes and insights as you read and study. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed 100 children, you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift
2: online today. You know, I I hope you enjoyed seeing our grandson and the fruit of the love of God and prayers and a beautiful daughter that's, I think, looking down from heaven and rejoicing at Chris. He said, Papa, I'll never be the same. And I know that. This man that's with us, Craig Rochelle. Life Church, he's a gift from God to all of us. And I believe what he shares is. And this book is fabulous. Uh, You help us just give food to the hungry. We want to give you spiritual food and help like we seek to do every day right here. We'll gladly send this to you. I hope you'll make it a point to get a copy for somebody else. And I hope all of you will not only express your appreciation for Craig and pray for him and the family and also for us, and for God to heal the church and heal our nation. But would you also like to express thanks to Craig? You know, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you. We love you. Thanks for helping us share God's love with others. Thanks for helping us share life. You're a blessing. Yeah,
0: host of the national radio show, Line of Fire. Michael Brown answers the question, how should Christians respond to gay activism? Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.